Hello there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we talk about what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And today we're joined by Zach Wilson, who's going to be joining us on the main show tomorrow. Zach, welcome. Thank you for having me. I feel like I need to respond in some weird cadence there. Of course. That's the only way we expect you to talk. <laughs> um, Zach, what are you into this week? Oh, man. I, I just discovered that this. I mean, I knew it existed, but I, I hadn't watched it until somebody was like, you need to watch this. Uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, mm-hmm. the show yeah. on BBC America, just binged it to both seasons. So good. It is very good. It's so weird. It's one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen. I have not seen it. And I'm uh, like, I was listening to you guys banter a little bit about it before we jumped on mic. And I feel like I need to see it now because I was a big fan of the Douglas Adams novels when mm-hmm. I was younger and I just missed the show completely. That was what I, I was talking about Douglas Adams and like, because I've, I, over the last like two years, I finally went in and read all of the Hitchhiker's books. Like I'd so listened great. to the radio plays yeah. and I'd seen the movie and everything, but I never read all of the books. Have you I, seen I, the old BBC Hitchhiker series? No, not yet. That's Wild. the last thing on my list of like all versions of Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. to see. Uh, but I finally read the books and then I wanted more because I was like, this is so much fun. And so I jumped over to, to Dirk Gently's and I read the, the two novels for that. And I was talking about how I wanted more mm-hmm. of Douglas Adams. But, there, but other than his like Doctor Who serials and his like the the audiobooks that he did or audio dramas he did for them there's not a ton of other douglas adams stuff out right. there and there have you somebody was like have you watched dirk gently yet i forgot that they did that yeah so i dove in and it's so nuts it's not how i pictured that character reading him okay uh which was interesting it was like it's just not it's not that it's like no, it is. It's it's very different from how I pictured the character in my head. Yeah. But that doesn't make it bad. It's just a different choice. Mm-hmm. The show version really feels 11th Doctor-ish. Yes. Um, which I, I wonder if that was a direct uh, like influence on him. Because he's, he's very um, what I would describe as um, whimsical. But you can tell that there's a little bit of darkness behind his eyes. Um, and he kind of just swoops into these people's lives and like tears them asunder. When Um, you say 11th doctor, and again, this is a BBC America show. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it was started with me three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. They were 100%. Like I have no doubt in my mind going into that, the development meeting be like, this should be like Matt Smith. Yeah. (laughs) It's a Max Landis joint though. And I don't know if he's a Whovian. No, but BBC who yeah. is notorious for being overly controlling about their content, yeah. mm-hmm. definitely went into this. Like, we need this to be like Matt Smith. Okay. Because they had ju- they would have just lost him to be Peter Capaldi, who might, the Dirk Gently in my head, much more, much closer to Peter Capaldi Same. if we're going to compare to Doctors. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would actually maybe say if of any of the like modern Doctor Who's, it would probably be Eccleston might be the closest to how I pictured Dirk Gently in my head. You know head. what? Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I could totally, but BBC 100% sat down and was like, we need somebody like Matt Smith to play Dirk Gently and headline this thing. Cause now we don't have that guy. We have this old dude running around <laughs> as Dr. Who. We need more. We need that young hip guy uh-huh. coming in. And here they brought in this like guy who 
totally acts like Matt Smith is like very like you said he's whimsical is the perfect way to describe him yeah and then he they put him in like a yellow leather jacket mm-hmm like weird show weird showy clothing and could have been Matt Smith's younger brother right um I think I the thing I like the most about it is that it the the mystery is very solid and they do a good job of like laying all the the clues to make it make sense and like so you can literally track it as it's going and you might be able to guess where uh how it all comes together but like there's still such a rich mystery there that like going back and watching it a second time you start to pick up on all the little things leading up to it yeah it it never felt too much like it wasn't it wasn't like oh it's a who done it kind yeah. of thing but it is like a twisty serialized mystery show right um and even yeah even though it was different like it's not the gruff Dirk Gently that I had in my head, but it totally works. And Elijah Wood is super fun. And mm-hmm. it's just a fun show. It's yeah. a fun show. I, I I wish they'd had a chance to wrap it up. Yeah. That was my only disappointment was like, I didn't know how it went or like how many seasons they got. Like I had, I was like, I'm pretty sure the show got canceled. Then got to the end of season two. Clearly they didn't know they were canceled when yeah. they made it. Uh, which like I always that's my always my wish for shows is like it, it sucks when stuff gets ended early but I always just want like them to have a chance to wrap it up like yeah. I love that there's there has been a recent trend of like networks giving shows an episode or like Netflix especially is like here do a movie do a two hour special right to, to wrap up your storyline because there's a lot of people that want it we can't afford to give you a whole season but I think it's it's Netflix's binge mentality that they want people to feel like they can watch a complete story mm-hmm. on their network mm-hmm. that has led them to do stuff like um, the Wachowskis uh, show. Was it Sense8? Sense8. They got, they didn't get another season, but they got a movie so they could wrap up all the stories. Right. So anyone new jumping in got the chance to just watch it straight through and feel like they finished a long, long, long ass movie yeah so in the case of dirk gently you said uh two seasons they did two seasons the first one was eight episodes the second was 10 are they hour long or half hour hour okay so that's not a massive commitment no No. not at all i watched it a couple weeks i should i should get on this because i'm a big fan of the source material and everybody i know that's watched it is real keen on it yeah um also if you have a chance uh when you finish watching since you just finished watching it Mm -hmm. um the show bible is available online and it's very fun. What? Yeah, I didn't know that. So um, I would. I, I think. I think I have a link to it, so I can send if, it to if you. You can, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> oh, Zach just left. Uh, even before I sent him the content, he just. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Zach. Bye. Uh, uh, Lex, what are you into this week? Uh, so this week, uh, I watched a bunch of stuff, but one of the things that stuck out to me the most was. Uh, the, the Netflix film Always Be My Maybe, starring Ali Wong and Randall Park. Okay. I am not a big rom-com guy. I feel, and you know, no disrespect to anybody who is. I know a lot of people work very hard on these movies. I'm not the target audience for most of them to begin with. It's the rare romantic comedy that I feel actually, actually grabs me and makes me feel like I'm pulled into the story and I'm, I'm invested. And what got my attention initially was the involvement of, of those two. Mm-hmm. I've been a big Randall Park fan for a long time. Um, he's, if you don't know the name, he's the, the dad on... 
fresh off the boat. Yeah. If you saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, he's he's Woo. He's the agent who's constantly harassing Scott, and Scott's got to bamboozle him at every turn. Um, but I've been a fan of his for a while. Ali Wong is somebody that I discovered relatively recently, and I think she's hilarious. So I discovered the two of them wrote, produced, and star in this romantic comedy together. I said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And plot-wise, they're not necessarily reinventing the wheel. It's a story about you know uh, these, these two people who were into each other when they were younger. Years pass. She goes off to become a very successful chef. She's dating a, a super hot like pretty boy played by Daniel Day Kim. That relationship doesn't necessarily work out, and she ends up back in her hometown where Randall Park hasn't hasn't left and it's about the two of them reconnecting and figuring out if they can you know uh, become more than just friends again it's not reinventing the wheel story-wise yeah but I find these two performers so ridiculously likable and so very funny and so very watchable together that it it gets me through that in a way that I actually feel enthusiastic about but there's an aspect of this movie that I feel warrants specific mention and this isn't at this point, I don't think you can consider this a spoiler because this any conversation about this movie is, if not completely dominated by one aspect, is certainly uh, weighted heavily in this direction. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in this film oh, as himself. And he is, there's a, a big chunk of the movie where, you know, light spoilers, again, these clips are all over the internet now, where you discover that she, uh, Ali Wong's character, has uh, met somebody at a successful uh, function that she is responsible for and has started dating them. And it turns out that it is <laughs> Keanu Reeves as himself. And I highly recommend, uh, I, I recommend the movie in general. But if you're only looking to see the Keanu stuff, find these clips because it's really, it's too big sequences. It amounts to an extended cameo, but there's a ton of golden stuff in these sequences. Keanu Reeves' willingness to make fun of himself, I greatly admire. We are experiencing some kind of Keanu like reversance it's, right, right? now. Like uh, uh, between, between obviously like John Wick, like the third one doing much better than the first two and stuff and now like he's popping up here and now he's everybody's like uh, he did that interview right where he's talking talking about how he feels like he's a bit of a lonely guy and then all of a sudden the entire internet is like I will marry you Keanu Reeves please <laughs> please accept my proposal but he's like that's not what I meant <laughs> but his but his willingness to make fun of himself and the way that uh, Ali Wong and, and Randall Park were able to utilize him within that story uh, just for example they they're getting together it's a double date at a restaurant and Keanu Reeves asks the the waiter, uh, he specifically wants dishes that play with the concept of time, things like that. And when he picks up, like when he picks up the tab for dinner, this exorbitant dinner tab, he basically comes back to the table and it's like, it's okay. I took care of it with my residuals for my hit film speed, things like that. <laughs> it's the movie. The movie is a ton of fun. I feel like those actors, again, I'm big fans of both of them and the charm and the chemistry and how funny they are. I think make the entire movie worth watching, even if you're not a rom-com person as I'm not. But holy shit, the Keanu stuff, if if the rest of it doesn't grab you, I cannot recommend those sections of the movie enough. But a lot of fun. <laughs> it's on Netflix, so it's super accessible. Uh, I, I recommend it. Nice. The, the uh, other play, did you see that Keanu Reeves is going to be in Cyberpunk 2077? So people are messaging me about this, and I am I, I guess I'm supposed to be embarrassed. I barely understand that sentence. <laughs> uh, new video game. They announced it last E3. They just to show the new trailer for next for this year's E3 on well yesterday, and uh, 
it's just set in the future and it's all that's like what what if you had a big world like open world cyberpunk game okay and then keanu reeves is in is in it now interesting like he at the end of this like four minute like cinematic sequence in the trailer it just like the character is like passed out and then keanu reeves just walks up it looks like exactly like him and just lifts his sunglasses up hey you need help and so nobody <laughs> and nobody knew that keanu reeves was part of it no big reveal oh that's <laughs> wild so it's okay it's a big open world cyberpunk thing i just read neuromancer for the first time so i feel like i'm now primed for exactly this it's like all augmented robotic like tech inside bodies yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like Ugh. All right, I'm down. I'm gonna. Sorry, when we, when I got we're... real excited. I was like, "Oh yeah, I saw Keanu earlier." But you're right, man. It's like he's everywhere all of a sudden. Bill and Ted again, 3. right? Bill and Ted Three is happening. I guess he never. It's not like Keanu ever went away. No, it just seems like he was. Keanu was always here, and now he's really here. He's here harder than he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I, mean, I think the biggest he's been since 1999, for right. sure. Like right around Matrix. Yeah, I, I will still say though. His uh, his Constantine is still one of my favorite Keanu joints. It took me a while to come around on it because I had the very shallow reaction of that. It, it, no disrespect to Keanu Reeves, but that is not what Constantine looks like. I reject it. And then I watched the movie. I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty great Constantine movie. Yeah, I actually had no idea what Constantine was in terms of like comic books. And so I went in fresh because the trailers were like, what if there was a world that lived on top of your world? Ooh, boy. What if the yeah. demons were part of your world? And I was like, oh, damn. It's a guy who lives in the exorcist. I but, say, <laughs> but, but similar thing. It was just like angel and demon lore yeah. starring Keanu Reeves. I'm in. Right. And like I didn't know, really know Constantine at the time. Like I wasn't as big a comic book person when that movie came out as I am now. Yeah. Now, I, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but now that I know the character more, I'm curious how I would read that movie. It yeah. I, it holds up, and also like it has a bunch of like the main Constantine characters in it, which I didn't know who they were at the time. But I was like, oh, Papa Midnight, oh Chaz, oh man, um, it's good. And also like this the scene, uh, spoilers for Constantine 2005 movie. Um, the scene with Lucifer is still the best scene in the movie um I'm rewatch it yeah dude check it out it's uh i mean i own fantastic. it on dvd i don't have to go very far i just yeah. haven't watched it in a long time <laughs> um anyway uh so guys that's what i'm into this week i'm into constantine <laughs> um no uh <laughs> i uh uh checked out speaking of demon and angel lore uh, I checked out Good Omens, the new – it's it's based off of – it's a book, right, uh, mm-hmm. from Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman and uh, starring uh, David Tennant and the guy who looks like Simon Pegg but is not Simon uh, Pegg. Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Michael Sheen. Um, no relation to Charlie or uh, Martin. like Simon Pegg. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't necessarily <laughs> see it. Um, well, open your eyes, guys. <laughs> Because they look similar. Like, especially now. Now that they're both older gentlemen, they look very similar. Older gentlemen? Older gentlemen. Um, Peg looks more like Louis C.K. than he does Michael Sheen. I think you're focusing too much on the hair. You're like, gingers? Uh, No. They look alike. Look, Google it. (laughs) Um, But Good Omens is really fun. It, like, it has... 
very much that Terry Pratchett esque. Um, like I was just talking about his his style of writing, where he finds a way to bring to talk about really mundane things in very like fun, like whimsical kind of like. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like supernatural ways. Um, and, and uh, the, the show really captures that. And I also really like, I, I was trying to explain to my roommate, the, the undertones of um, Sheen and Tennant's characters kind of being in a relationship and it's, they're, they're very old friends and that's how the whole thing. And I'm like, no dude, they are fucking lovers um and apparently all of the fan fiction people agree with me um and i really i really like their relationship throughout the show because it is about them trying to uh help each other out over the course it's like a a, uh romeo and juliet kind of thing like star-crossed friends um both on opposite sides not supposed to talk to each other but like they've bonded over the course of all the millennia that the earth has existed. Um, and so it, uh, just kind of comes about that they are trying to help the people of earth because they spent so much time here that they've found a bond, but like everyone in heaven and hell is so disconnected and they just want their war and they're trying to like find another way because like humans are great. Well, humans aren't great, but like the earth has such delicious food. Let me ask you, have you read the book? I haven't. Okay, because I've wanted to talk to somebody who just watched the show and hadn't read the book. Because I read the book okay. like a year ago. Yeah. And then was like, there's a show that's coming out right away. This is perfect. Uh-huh. Um, so you did you feel like it was rushed at all through the story? Um, I don't. I, I didn't. I felt like, I mean, the end kind of wrapped up a lot of stuff fairly quickly, which I imagine... That's just how the because they they spent a lot of time at the beginning kind of just dancing around and and like first you're hanging out with this person and then you're hanging out with this person and and like really just doing a lot of the world building. And then around the end, all these pieces start to come together. And I feel like it was quick, but it was also how how I would want my climax to go where all of these like disparate parts start like just barreling towards the end and then it resolves cool you know yeah i it, it was the thing because i love the the adaptation and i love the book it was but it, they cut out so many of the details yeah from the the from the book like li- just little things and i'm like you don't necessarily need that information to make the show work but you de- but they clearly also referenced it right like the them uh adam's Little gang. They explain why they're called the them. Right. But they never explain. Like in the book, it's explained. In the show, they just mention that they're the them and they never really say it again. Got it. Um, but like there's a whole other layer to it that informs stuff that happens later. And it's interesting to like to see the two perspectives on it because it's good. But it like and it it's just like there's more. Right. And I was I'm curious if there's they're going to release an extended version at some point. Mm, that'd be interesting. Like I do feel like there were some pieces that like as you said were referenced and they seemed like they are important, but I mean they they just keep the story moving as they're going. And so yeah. like so for example, there's a running bit about the angel losing his 
flaming sword. Um, and everyone just keeps like, it just, it's a running bit. Cause, um, he, he gives it away. This happens in the first like five minutes. So I'm not really spoiling anything, but he gives it away. Um, and everyone keeps being like, you lost your sword. Blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, it just kind of appears and you're like, okay, all right, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, well, that uh, to me that worked. That totally worked. I mean, it worked. It's uh, just like that. I feel like is one of those things where, like, I it seems like there's a deeper lore attached to it, and like a reason why it ended up being there. And the like, I don't want to give spoilers. Yeah, at this point. it's it's tough. Um, Do you understand what's happening, Lex? Not at all. Am I outing myself as a hideous bitch if I confess to never having read any Terry Pratchett? Um, no, like no. 90% of his work is from one book series. Got it. Cause there are a lot of like, I don't, there are no casual Pratchett fans that I've encountered. They're all super intense about it. Well, cause like a lot of it, most of his books from my understanding, at least, uh, cause I wanted to dive in more, but like most of his stuff is disc world. Uh, yeah. Most of it, if not like a, a tangent of it as well. Yeah. And so like, I haven't delved, I haven't like have a chance to dive into Discworld. Weirdly enough, book one is not available for audio in audio on Audible. Interesting. They have like tons of Discworld books, but not book one. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not starting this. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's maybe uh, his last wish. He's like, they have to read my own words with their stupid eyes. <laughs> and if they want to, if they want to get into it, they got to read the first one with their own dumb brains. And then they can that. go. Terry Pratchett, <laughs> Terry Pratchett's <laughs> fictional will. <laughs> and there's a, there's a line underneath that says, make time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he, was such, he was such a good writer that he anticipated the audience response. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, to your point about like the relationship between um, Crowley and Aziraphale. Yeah. I didn't read it as uh, as a romantic relationship or like a sexual relationship, at least. Yeah. Um, because they're angels and they, they don't just, they don't have sexuality. Right. But to me, that's what what really shined about that that dynamic is that they are such amazing friends that the relationship is so close that it feels like it's romantic. Even yeah. Though, and even though it's not, and that's sort of like the idea that like two guys can be that close like these two people can be so close of friends that they care for each other the way that most people would only connect to a married like couple of lovers yeah but that's that's just like a nut that's just not something that they do they are that close despite the fact that they are just friends mm-hmm. yeah um redefine that, the what you consider to be a friendship yeah i mean that sounds really pretty but there'll always be an ace uh romantic couple to me so uh fair enough yeah they will always be dudes who are madly in love with each other who will go to the (laughs) ends of the world um because they are the greatest of of uh romantic partners forever in the history of ever um and i just i'll count down the days until they give one big smooch and they're like we don't usually do sex stuff but i'm gonna smooch you on the smooch face i'm gonna smooch you in the smooch hole (laughs) Right, Lex? I hope not. Isn't that what our friendship is? I hope not. <laughs> who wants who wants to smooch me in the smooch hole? Um anyway. I mean, no judgment. Like, that's the thing. You do you. And like everybody can be happy. As long as everybody's in on it. Yeah, totally. No one else is in on it. <laughs> 
you can also just reject Tari. Yeah. No, Done. I, I feel it. <laughs> Done. I feel, I feel the rejection. <laughs> that is a perfectly acceptable response. Yeah. And I accept your rejection. Live your truth yeah. of rejecting Tari. <laughs> Keep your smooch hole to yourself. Um, all right, guys. Um, <laughs> let us know what you are into. Uh, you know where to do it. Uh, Missing Outcast on Twitter. Uh, it is Missing Outcast. M i s s i n g o u t c a s t. And make sure to join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Clone High. Uh, Zach is a big fan. He thought he'd share it with us. One of my uh, favorite cartoons of all time. Hell yeah, and it's hilarious. So make sure uh, to ch- tune in tomorrow, and uh, make sure to hit up Zach. On all of the personal Twitters and Instagrams. That's Zach Wilson. Yeah. That's what I meant. T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. Nice. Um, and if you're like looking for something else to listen to, you're like, I hate these missing out guys. Uh, <laughs> Zach also has a really sweet podcast. Yeah. It's called Ships in the Night. We take two characters from different fandoms and we write the fanfic live on the show. Uh, like coming up with what, what's their meet cute? What, how does their relationship go? What's some, if, if it's appropriate, what's their sex life like? <laughs> right. Uh, and then just getting and like seeing how, how it would wind up. It's like me, my co-host Greg and a guest every week, both Tari and Lex have been there. It's true. And it got weird both it, times. Oh yeah. It's uh, a fun ride. <laughs> but yeah, check it out. It's on, or on like pretty much every podcast platform, Stitcher, iTunes, Google, Spotify, I think that's all of them. Either way, <laughs> just look for ships in the night. Nice. Uh, Lex, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Awesome. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tari J. T-E-R-I-J-A-Y. Don't you join us tomorrow in which we will... Hey, can you can you get your face together? I wasn't going to say anything. I can... I can. Everyone can sense your, <laughs> your incredibility. Um, but... They're still going to join us tomorrow for our great show talking about Clone High, despite Lex's incredulity. Uh, until then, we will see you tomorrow. Bye. Do you think they can see me waving? They can feel it. Yeah. Everybody can sense it. It's so powerful. <laughs>